Thank you so much, Doug. I appreciate it. Well, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 5. We, I am preaching through the Gospel of John this morning, uh, or over these last few months, I am preaching through the Gospel of John and will be for probably quite a while to come, and we are in chapter 5. We have been for a few weeks and will continue to be for a few more weeks. And as I mentioned to you last week, in John chapter 5, we are in deep waters. Oh, they are beautiful waters. They are wonderful waters, but they are deep waters. We are looking at the great mystery of the Trinity. We are looking at the full deity of Jesus Christ, who is God Almighty and proclaims himself to be that. And we read in John chapter 5, verses 25 through 29, as Jesus continues to be in this conversation with Jewish leaders, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, just to give you a little bit of context on where we are at in John chapter 5, as the chapter opens, there is an important scene that sets the stage for everything else. Jesus goes to the pool called Bethesda, and there he heals a man who has been an invalid for 38 years. He tells the man to pick up his mat, to pick up his bed, and walk, and the man is immediately and instantaneously healed. It is a great miracle. But he is confronted by the Jewish religious leaders because he dared to heal on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath, the design of the Sabbath by God was a good and wonderful and merciful day. But the Jewish religious leaders had added to it all kinds of legalistic man-made rules and regulations, one of which was you couldn't pick up one object and carry it from one place to another. And so they believe that Jesus is violating the Sabbath by telling this man to pick up his bed and walk. And Jesus tells them, my father has been working until now and I am working. And what he was saying is that the father is always doing good. He never takes a day off. God is always working every day, even on the Sabbath day. He is always sustaining the universe. He is always showing mercy and kindness and grace to people. And what Jesus was saying, I do the same thing as my Father does. And the Jews understood exactly what Jesus was saying because it says that they wanted to kill him. They wanted to kill him because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was claiming that God is his father, making himself equal with God. And that is exactly what Jesus was doing. They understood him perfectly. He was claiming to be equal with God. He was claiming to be God himself. And then we saw last week. Last week we looked at that beautiful, mysterious working of the Trinity. 
where God the Father and God the Son, and though he's not named also God the Holy Spirit, are always working together in perfect harmony, in perfect unity, in perfect oneness. Jesus says, whatever the Father does, I do. Whatever the Father does, I do likewise. Then we learn that Jesus is the source of eternal life, that just as the Father has life in himself, so the Son has life in himself. And then we also learned last week that in the economy of the Trinity, the role of judgment has been given to the second person of the Trinity, to the Son of God. It is Jesus who has been given the assignment to be the judge of all people in the end of time. And that brings us to where we are at today, verses 25 through 29. This breaks down into two parts. In verses 25 and 26, we are going to look at a spiritual resurrection. In verses 28 and 29, we are going to look at a physical resurrection. And so our first point this morning is a spiritual resurrection. In John 5, 25 through 29, we have some of the most amazing truths ever revealed to the human mind. We are so honored, so privileged that by the enablement of the Holy Spirit to look at these truths and to some degree seek to understand them and to be in awe of them. We are going to learn today that one day Jesus by his mighty voice is going to raise every person who has ever lived to either a resurrection of judgment or excuse me, a resurrection of life or a resurrection of judgment. By his mighty voice, Jesus one day is going to raise every person who has ever lived. We are going to see this morning that Jesus has power that is beyond the human imagination. We are going to see once again that Jesus is very God of God. He is God in all of his fullness. He is the almighty, powerful God. And this is important for you. It is important for me as Christians. It is important for us as we live our Christian lives. This is extremely practical because I believe with all my heart, the more you truly see the power and majesty and grandeur of Jesus, the more you will desire to be like him. And the more you treasure him in all of his greatness, the more you will hunger and thirst to know him more. So the bigger your view of Jesus, the more you see him in all of his glory and power and majesty, the more you will want to be like him, the more you will hunger and thirst to know him more. I think of the theme of the Gospel of John found toward the end of the book in John chapter 20 and verse 31. John has said, that Jesus did many miracles that aren't even written in this gospel, but those that are written, those that are written, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And that brings us to our specific passage of Scripture this morning. Right now, in our time in history, Spiritually dead people are hearing the voice of the Son of God and being given eternal life right now. In verse 25, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here 
when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. There's, the verse begins with that phrase we've seen so many times in John and is actually something Jesus says in the other Gospels. Truly, truly, I say to you, again, it means listen closely. Pay attention because what I'm about to say is extremely important. He says an hour is coming. When he says an hour is coming, an hour is not 60 minutes. It refers to an epoch of time, a space of time. And here it means all the way from the ministry of Jesus, even through our own day. It is a long period of time. An hour is coming. And then I want you to really notice that little phrase, and is now here. Not only is an hour coming, that hour is now here. It's happening right now in Jesus' time, he says. An hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The word dead here is referring to spiritual death. That is important to this whole text. The word dead in verse 25 refers to those who are spiritually dead. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1 it says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. What does it mean to be spiritually dead? It means there is nothing in you. You have no capability to save yourself. There is nothing you can do. There is no way you can live in order to bring salvation to yourself. You are completely incapable of saving yourself. You have no means of doing it. You are spiritually dead. Jesus said the time is now when those who are spiritually dead are going to hear the voice of the Son of God. What does it mean to hear the voice of the Son of God? It means everything related to the whole process of salvation. A spiritually dead person hears the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are convicted of their sin. They are convicted of their need for a Savior, and they are convinced that Jesus is that Savior. They believe. They are born again. They are regenerated. They become a new creature in Christ. That's what it means to hear the voice of the Son of God. Folks, it is exactly what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You must be born from above, Nicodemus. You are spiritually dead. You must have a new birth. You must be born anew. And when the dead, the spiritually dead, hear the voice of the Son of God, and again, I'm not talking about you're going to audibly hear Jesus. It's not what it's referring to. It's the mighty work of God, of Jesus in salvation, and those who respond will live. They will experience a spiritual resurrection. They will be implanted with resurrection life. They will become alive spiritually after being dead spiritually. Think of the verse right before verse 25 that we looked at last week. In verse 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. 
He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Whoever hears the mighty voice of the Son of God and believes everything that the Father says about the Son, believes everything the Bible says about Jesus, that person has eternal life. And in verse 26, Jesus says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. Jesus came into this world to give life to spiritually dead people. Do you know that's why he came into this world? Jesus didn't come into this world just to be a good teacher. He didn't come into this world just to be a good example for us. Jesus didn't come into this world just to be some kind of spiritual guru. Jesus came into the world to give eternal life to spiritually dead people. We saw this last week in verse 21, chapter 5, verse 21. Jesus says, For as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. Both the Father and the Son have the ability to give eternal life, everlasting life, because they have life and they are life. As we learned last week, Jesus is the source of eternal life. Salvation is not something, it is someone. Jesus is the one who gives spiritual life to spiritually dead people. I think of John chapter 11, a section that's often read at funeral services. Martha comes to Jesus just before Lazarus is raised from the dead. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Jesus said, whoever believes in me will live even though he dies. So you can die physically but still be alive. How? Because you've experienced a spiritual resurrection. You are spiritually alive. Your body dies but you are alive and Jesus says whoever lives and believes in me will never die and your spiritual life will go on and on what you have now will go on into eternity you will simply walk out of this world and into the next but I what I want you to grasp this morning that all over the world and every people group all over the world right now the gospel is going forth and people are hearing the, excuse me, the mighty voice of the Son of God and he is giving them life. They are being spiritually resurrected. They are being given spiritual life. And that leads us to our second point this morning and that is physical resurrection. One day in the future, The Son of Man will resurrect the bodies of every person who has ever lived, either to a resurrection of life or a resurrection of judgment. In verse 28, it says, Jesus says, Do not marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. There's that mighty voice again. Do not marvel, Jesus says, 
for an hour is coming. Now, I want you to notice something. He says an hour is coming, but he doesn't say and is now here. He doesn't add that little phrase, and is now here. So what he's talking about here is off into the future. An hour is coming in the future when all who are in the tombs, all who have died, will hear Jesus' voice. And in verse 29 it says, and come out. All who are in the tombs will hear the voice of Jesus and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and to those who have done and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. There will be a resurrection to life and a resurrection to judgment. This is taught throughout Scripture. In Daniel chapter twelve and verse two, it says this multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. When the Apostle Paul is making the defense of his faith before the governor Felix in Acts chapter 24, in Acts chapter 24 and verse 15, Paul says this to Felix, there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. Now, I want to share something with you this morning. It's going to be a little more on the deeper technical side. Some of you may be very familiar with this. Some of you may be not. I'm just going to ask you to stay with me here as I share this with you. Every voice, or excuse me, every person who has ever died is going to hear the voice of Jesus and come out of the grave. Okay? The final form of every person for all of eternity, whether heaven or hell, is a body. Okay? The final form of every person, whether in heaven or in hell, will be a body. Jesus, by his mighty voice, will resurrect every single dead person who has ever lived. Whether they've been buried in a casket, whether they've been cremated, whether they've been burned in a fire, whether they've been exploded by a bomb, it doesn't matter. The mighty voice of the Son of God is going to reassemble every body of every person who has ever lived. Okay? Now, stay with me here. When a Christian dies... That Christian goes to heaven, and they are given a temporary, resurrected body. It's the only way we can make sense of the imagery and scenes in the book of Revelation. So a Christian goes to heaven, is given a temporary, resurrected body in heaven. Every person who dies without Christ is also given a temporary body and they suffer sadly, brokenheartedly suffer in hell. But I want you to know in hell there's not just a bunch of disembodied spirits floating around. 
they are people in actual temporary bodies experiencing the torment of hell. Someday, every person in heaven and every person in hell, their bodies are going to be raised from the dead, these bodies. And they are going to be united with their souls and they will be their permanent bodies in heaven or in hell forever. So there will be a resurrection to life and a resurrection to judgment. Now, you say, Pastor Tim, when will this take place? The first part of the resurrection to life is going to take place at the rapture that we learn about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay? Many people will have their bodies raised at that time. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, it says the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And with a loud voice, by the way, that's the voice of Jesus. With a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. And you say, what? The dead in Christ will rise first. Aren't the dead in Christ already in heaven? Yes, they are. It is their bodies. The dead in Christ will rise first in the future at the rapture. The dead in Christ will rise first. Their bodies will be reunited with their souls and they will have their permanent resurrection bodies. Then it says, for those who experience the rapture, those who are still alive and are left, will be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord. So those who actually experience the rapture will get their permanent bodies right away. It will be simultaneous for that group of people. Now, there will be another phase to the resurrection of the righteous, the physical resurrection of the righteous, because there will be some people Actually, I believe many people who will come to know Christ during the seven-year tribulation. And they will be martyred for their faith. At the end of the seven-year tribulation, there will be another physical resurrection of the tribulation saints. And many believe that's when the Old Testament saints will also experience physical resurrection. Now, in this second part, there's been much debate and discussion over the years how and when it will take place. So I'm not going to be dogmatic about that at all. That's kind of how we think it's going to happen. But here's one thing that hasn't been a matter of debate. We do know when the unsaved are going to be resurrected. All the unsaved of all time are going to have their bodies raised from the dead, united with their souls at the great white throne judgment described in Revelation chapter 20. 
and they will stand before the judge at the great white throne. And as I shared with you last week, the one who sits on that throne is whom? It is Jesus. It is Jesus. And everyone who stands before the great white throne will be assigned permanently, eternally, to the lake of fire. There are two final destinies for the righteous and the unrighteous. For the righteous. Right now, those who are alive in heaven are in a heaven that will one day give way to the new heaven and the new earth described in Revelation chapter 21. So the final destination of the righteous will be the new heaven and the new earth. The unrighteous, those who have rejected Christ, they are now in what we would say is hell or Hades, but that will one day give way to the lake of fire. In fact, in Revelation it says death and Hades will be swallowed up by the lake of fire. And all the unsaved will actually spend all of their eternity in the lake of fire. Now, that could be two or three sermons to unpack all of that. But right here in John chapter 5, I believe that the Apostle John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, this is what he wants you to know. Jesus is going to raise them all. It is the mighty voice of the Son of God that is going to raise all the dead of all time. That is a mighty voice. That is the voice of your Savior. In verse 29, it says they're going to come out, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Now, if you just read that, you might say, Pastor Tim, it looks like in verse 29 that we're saved by our good works because those who have done good will be resurrected to life. Those who have done evil will be resurrected to judgment. That's why it is so important with every verse you read in the New Testament that you take all of the New Testament into consideration, that you keep it in the context of the entire New Testament. We are taught in the Gospels and we are taught in the rest of the New Testament the evidence of a genuinely born-again person, the evidence that someone truly knows Christ is a good life and good works. Your good works are not the source of your salvation, but your good works are the evidence of your salvation. You are not saved by your good works, but those who are truly saved will do good works, or it means they were never saved in the first place. And conversely, those who have rejected Christ, those who have never had a genuine conversion experience, will continue to live a sinful life, continue to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So what Jesus is saying, when everyone's called out of the tomb, those who have given Evidence of genuine salvation by their good works will be raised to life. And those who have given evidence that they were never saved, that they were never born again because of their sinful life, will be raised 
to judgment. Well, that brings us back to verse 27. I say verse 27 for last. In verse 27, we are reminded again that it will be the Son of Man who executes the final judgment. Verse 27 says, And he has given him, Jesus, the Father has given the Son authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. We saw this last week in John 5, verse 22. For the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. But what I want you to really focus in on this morning in verse 27 is that title, Son of Man. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because, because he, Jesus, is the Son of Man. In Revelation chapter 5, we have this incredible scene. All of heaven cries out. They look throughout the universe. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to break its seals? Who is worthy? And then arrives on the scene the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of Jesse. It is the slain lamb of God. That's how he's described in Revelation chapter 5. He is the one who became a man. He is the one who suffered as a man. He is the one who was crucified as a man. He is the one who was resurrected as a man. He is the one who is perfectly suited to judge the living and the dead. As the Son of God, Jesus is omniscient and he knows all things, and that is important. But he has also, as the Son of Man, as the Son of God, he is omniscient, as the Son of Man, he has endured every temptation and every suffering of humanity. Let me say that again. Jesus has endured every temptation and every suffering of humanity. No one will be able to say to Jesus, you don't understand. You don't understand what I went through. You don't understand my life. Yes, he does. He will be the perfect judge. No one ever can say he is not worthy. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. As I bring this together this morning, John is telling us, I believe pleading with us, that if you have spiritual resurrection now, if you hear the voice of the Son of God and come to life, if you believe the gospel, one day you will physically be raised to life. But if you reject Jesus, if you walk away from the gospel and never experience spiritual resurrection, one day you will experience physical judgment. Oh, I beg you this morning, 
if you hear the voice of the Son of God, if you feel conviction, if God is opening your eyes to see Jesus, respond to him, come to Jesus, come to Jesus. Jesus said, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. In a minute, we're going to close with the song, Mighty to Save, because it is the mighty voice of the Son of God by which everyone who is saved comes to life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the mighty voice of the Son of God, that those who hear that voice are given life, resurrection life. We thank you for that. Oh, Lord, thank you for those who have responded. And I pray for those who have yet to respond. Lord, whether they're here in the auditorium or watching on a computer or on a television, I just pray, oh Lord, they would respond to the mighty voice of the Son of God and come to life. Oh, we thank you for our beautiful, powerful, majestic Savior Jesus, in whose name we pray, amen.